Music is music. La música es música. Music is music. Music is music. With American Public Media's performance today, I'm Ria Misra. This is Music is Music, and today we're taking you on the final leg of our two-part journey into music in space. Last week, we explored the sonic depths of a black hole and hunted the cosmos for the sound of new planets, along with composer Arthur Jeffs. This week, we're packing up our spaceship yet again, but this time we've brought a whole lot more company along for the ride. you're hearing is the Kepler aria, played and sung by the International Space Orchestra. But even if this is your first time catching the International Space Orchestra in concert, you may have already heard quite a bit from this group of musicians, just in a very different context. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. We have a liftoff. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Four forward, drift into the right a little. Forward. That's right. The International Space Orchestra isn't only a band, it's also a continually rotating cast of some of the world's most prominent space scientists. A place where on any given day you may find an astronaut, a scientist mapping the surface of Mars, or a researcher scanning the galaxies for signs of life, all huddled around the very same piece of music. But before the International Space Orchestra was a band of these and so many more scientists, it was first an idea in the mind of one woman. So I'm Nelly Benayoun. I'm a designer of experiences. I am uh, obviously sounding really French. I am French, but I'm based in London. In the almost five years since she began the International Space Orchestra, Benayoun has brought together space scientists from all kinds of space-focused organizations and from a huge variety of scientific backgrounds. Head over to the percussion section, and you might find astronaut and medical doctor Yvonne Kegel. Look over into the ukulele section, and there's Annette Rodriguez, who trained astronauts on how to live aboard the International Space Station. And that baritone saxophone player over there? Well, that's Rusty Hunt, who can tell you as much about ice on the moon as probably anybody alive. And the music they play has just as much variation as the science. That song you're hearing right now is the International Space Orchestra, playing an arrangement of Icelandic rock band Sigur Rós's song Vidrar Vel Telefter Rosa, or in English, Good Weather for an Airstrike. Besides Sigur Rós, they've also performed with Beck, Savages, Bobby Womack, Evan Price, Arthur Jeffs of Penguin Cafe, and even a piece written especially for them by science fiction author Bruce Sterling. They also play original compositions written about space discoveries, and they've built whole musical scores around NASA's old Apollo mission flight logs. Remember, though, that amidst all these performances, 
Not only is the orchestra continuously swapping in new members from all kinds of musical backgrounds, many of them are still working on their own missions and space research projects at the same time. And that comes with some unique challenges. So sometimes, you know, we get invited to do really big uh, performance like the one we did with Sigur Ross at the Hollywood Bowl and we only have two months to put it all together and it's a 35 minute piece live on stage in front of 17,500 people so it's not easy for you know people who have to do it on their outside of their working hours. Of course juggling the demands of space science with musical performances also comes with some unique benefits. So for a lot of them actually music has been a tool to either try and cool down a bit with the pressure, you know, and the pressure cooker that they have to handle. Uh, and so that was the case with, um, you know, Annette Rodriguez or Greg Schmidt, with the deputy director of the Lunar, um, the Lunar Institute at NASA Ames Research Center. And so for them, it always been that, you know, using ukulele was a way to kind of like get that pressure out. And so sometimes they would just invent songs as well that were related to their mission. How much of a musical background and how much variation in musical background are you finding amongst the musicians that you have? You know, we actually found that on the 2,500 employees that is NASA Ames Research Center and, you know, the hundreds of employees that is the SETI Institute, then there was, and of course, same goes for Singularity University and the other Space University, you found that, you know, about 80% of them were actually performing instruments and, and could actually sing or be a part of a choir or the choir training or musical training. And all of our members can read music as well and can read partition. So it's been really, um, you know, a fantastic journey to, you know, meet all of this incredible mind through their passion for music. Nowhere is that passion for the music more apparent than in their Apollo 11 performances, a kind of space opera smorgasbord incorporating orchestral pieces, a Greek chorus, costumes, and a script that borrows from the actual Apollo 11 mission logs. And who better to bring those historical flight logs alive than one of NASA's current flight directors? My name is Rusty Hunt. I work at NASA Ames Research Center. If you've heard Hunt's name before, it's most likely been in connection with the moon. He was NASA's flight director for the mission which revealed huge icy reservoirs up on the moon. And right now, he's in the middle of working on a moon rover mission, complete with a lunar drill to reveal even more of the moon's secrets. He also plays baritone saxophone in the International Space Orchestra and has been a member of its choir. In the Apollo 11 performances, though, he took on a new role. This is Apollo Control in Houston, the Apollo Command Module Columbia, flown by astronaut Mike Collins, is about to come around into view of Earth, followed soon after by the Lunar Module Eagle, with astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. I remember the very first time in rehearsal, we're doing the dialogues, and uh, she chose me to play the part of uh, actually Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. But I remember the very first time that I said, Houston Tranquility Base here, the Eagle has landed. I was just, I, I got goosebumps just repeating it and knowing that he had said that and, and just thinking that I get to play that role in this performance that we're going to do. It, it was, well, I still, I still remember that feeling of saying it the first time. You mentioned outfits that you guys were wearing. Can you describe those? Oh, well, they're, uh, they're jumpsuits designed by Nelly, and uh, we actually have mission patches on them. And our mission patches are the different concerts that we've played. So we, we have that. We have some, like, silver tennis shoes. Uh, so it makes us look uh, very cool, I'm sure. 
You know, I feel like there's this kind of fascinating scientific symmetry here because so many of the highlights of your own scientific career have also involved the moon. And at the same time, you're kind of retracing the steps musically of the space scientists who were studying the moon before. Did you pull any insights or thoughts from that? Let's see. That's an interesting question. Um, I tried to bring in the, the aspect of this is what it's like to be part of the crew, uh, part, part of the team on the ground that is supporting the flight. And, uh, and that it's, it is a team that's doing it, and uh, everyone depends on everyone else uh, to get it done. And, um, and, and that's what makes it successful. Nobody, nobody knows everything. Uh, everybody knows something really well, and so we all have to work together to make it work, very much like just playing in the orchestra. What are you hoping that audiences take away from hearing the International Space Orchestra? I think when you, when you watch on television, and, and at the time I was watching, I was nine years old, um, but for a long time, I watched, and, and it always kind of looks like everything goes along fine, and it, it, it almost looks easy, and it's really not. Things go wrong, uh, I, won't, I won't say all the time, but things do go not as planned, and then there's a whole team of people that figures out what to do to, to make it work right. I think that would be the main thing, is just to know that, wow, the astronauts and the team on the ground work through three significant problems, and any one of which could have uh, caused them to have to uh, cancel the landing. And they, they work through them as a team. And, uh, and then also, just that Neil Armstrong was such a, an amazingly uh, courageous and uh, calm individual. If you listen to his voice, uh, especially as he's going down landing, lands with 30 seconds of fuel left, you wouldn't think there was anything going on there. But it was, uh, it, it almost didn't happen. Four forward, drift into the right a little. 30 seconds. Forward, just... Contact light. Okay, engine stop. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Rocket Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're pretty busy. Armstrong is on the moon. Neil Armstrong, 38-year-old American, standing on the surface of the moon. Since that Apollo 11 performance, the International Space Orchestra's music has been presented to audiences worldwide, and even a little beyond that, too, with albums even making their way onto the International Space Station. But it's the live performances where the scientists really get the chance to share stories like that touch-and-go moment from the Apollo 11 mission, and not just on stage. Actually, one of the things that we did at all of the venues we've played at is we go out and just you know, we're waiting for the show to start or something. We'll, we'll be out wandering around in the crowds with everybody else. And uh, people will ask questions. I'm always amazed at the depth of questions that people will ask me. And also just to see how involved and engaged uh, so many people are with the work that NASA does and with the work that SETI does. Uh, it's really inspiring for me. I mean, we're supposed to be going out and inspiring people, but they inspire us. It's that connection between an Earth-bound audience and a space-focused orchestra that Nellie Benhayan is building through music. But as much as the International Space Orchestra's performances propel a gravity-trapped audience into the uncertainties of space, they're also just as much about pulling the distant trappings of space right back down to the rest of us here on Earth. 
there is this website I love looking at, which is called how many people are in space right now.com. Um, and, <laughs> and he's got a live feed from NASA. And when you start to look at it, there is, I mean, I don't know what are the accurate number right now, but I think there is about like maybe four, three, uh, you know, four or five, you know, astronauts mm -hmm. on the International Space Station. And that's about that. So, you know, if you're too small, you're too fat, you don't have the right PhD, then your chances to make it in space are really small. And so I think, you know, it's always been a massive struggle for space agency to try and share uh, some of the learning or some of the experience of space with members of the public. So it's a, it's a beautiful challenge. Today we heard the International Space Orchestra playing selections from their Apollo 11 performances, as well as Sugar Rosa's Viderar Velt a la Ferrosa and the Kepler Aria as arranged by Evan Price. That song you're hearing right now is called Wow Signal 1420, and it was composed by Arthur Jeffs. Jeffs also joined us for the first episode in our Music in Space series. To hear that episode, subscribe to Music is Music on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can find more information about the music played today on the Performance Today page on yourclassical.org, as well as links to more information about the International Space Orchestra Nellie Van Hyen, and to NASA's archival Apollo 11 footage that also made it into the program today. Music is Music is a production of American Public Media's Performance Today and supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, online at arts.gov. For the past two weeks, we've taken you out flying amongst the cosmos on Music is Music, Coming up next week, though, I'll be right back here on Earth, coming to you from Harlem. We're visiting Vijay Iyer's home studio to talk about the secret life of instruments, the art of improvisation, and also just to hear some really beautiful music. Until then, I'm Rhea Misra, this is Music is Music, and the website HowManyPeopleAreInSpaceRightNow.com tells me there are currently five people floating out there amongst the darkness. Here's wishing all five of them a safe journey back home, and the same for you as well, wherever it is you're headed back from. This has been Music is Music from Performance Today and American Public Media.